1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? Our world is changing. The mass extinction we feared has already begun, and we are the cause. We are the infection. Like all living organisms, the Earth unleashed a fever to fight this infection. Its original and rightful rulers, the Titans. For thousands of years, these creatures have remained in hiding around the world. And unless all the Titans are found, our planet will perish, and so will we. They are the only guarantee that life will carry on.
Hello everybody and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spitaro and I am once again joined by the Jack and Eddie boys and we are back again because we've already looked at Godzilla King of Monsters and we're looking at it again. The only difference is the last time we looked at one that was from 1956 this time we're looking at one from 2019 shiny new King of Monsters. How you guys doing? Doing good. I'm always up to talking about Godzilla. Maybe I should do a podcast or something like that. Yeah, you know what? That's an idea. (laughs) I'm surprised you haven't thought of that already. Uh, uh, Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes. We we were talking before we went in the air. I was playing around with a VCR earlier today. That's a shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a throwback. Yeah. So well, it's like the old question: Does does something count as throwback if you've had it since it was new, or is that just vintage? Yeah, I guess it's vintage at this point. <laughs> I say that like uh, you know, it's like uh, I've got uh, well, I won't get into it, but like throwback jerseys. Does it count as a throwback if when I bought it, it was the current style? But, or if it was a anyway. current player? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a rule. I mean, we're already going. Uh, <laughs> already going way way afield here, but uh, my my rule was I would not buy a jersey, and this was a rule that came into effect when I was significantly younger than I am now. But I would not buy a jersey with a player's name on it who was younger than I was. <laughs> so now now it has to be vintage, basically, yes. as far as the player name, in order for me to have any jersey. Although I think I still have a Wayne Krebet jersey from a long time ago that uh, he's a couple of years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. See, but that's the problem because you're a Mets fan. If you're a Yankees fan, you never ever know, uh, uh, name in the back of a jersey. Yeah, I'm, I'm being serious. You wear, I know. You, you I know. can wear you can wear a 13, and it could be any number of players wore 13. <laughs> Jimmy Lairet, uh <laughs> I just anyway. I, 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 I always felt that was a little that was a little uh, obnoxious that they won't put their names on the jerseys, but that's just me. No, it's. <laughs> You know, what what with being a Met fan and a Yankee hater and all. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it, that's because the Yankees are tradition. You know, like, I guess you have a Met tradition too. Like, hey, let's get the guy who's going to blow his leg out and like walking in his house and pay him hundreds of millions of dollars. Wait, that's now, not. hey, no, wait a minute. He, you know, uh, Cespedes blew his leg out falling in a hole on his ranch. Okay, let's. <laughs> Now, I, I have a real problem, I have to tell you, and like I said, we're already way off, but I have, I have a real problem with the fact that, and here I'm going to be defending a Yankee guy, Aaron Boone injured himself when he was a player, I believe he was playing basketball, and he blew out yes. something, and he was totally honest about it, and they invalidated his contract because he wasn't supposed to be playing basketball. All these other guys lie and they get away with it. So I really have a problem with the guy that was honest got screwed, and the people that lie get money. It does. It is life in a microcosm, but it bothers me. Isn't, isn't that isn't that the, the lesson you learn in life? You always tell your kids, tell the truth, do the right thing. They do, and they're the ones who get in trouble. And the kid who lies gets away with it. Good yeah. lord! I almost had an honor student expelled in the past because they told the truth. They were like, "Yeah, we were on the bus, and my friend was drinking, and I had a sip of it." And they get they get suspended for five, six days. And the other kid's like, I wasn't drinking. The kid's clearly drunk. And they're like, well, they said they weren't drinking. I'm like, the, kid, the kid's throwing up. He's drunk. No, no, no. So, anyway, let's talk about Godzilla, King of the Monsters, because I tell you right now, <laughs> we are, this is going to be a very long podcast about New York and things that aren't equal. Yeah, we've got to get off that subject right now before, uh, before I give you guys a chance to tangent it further. So, uh, we, we've already talked about the original 
well, I, I, I say original in quotes since it was a recut, yeah. but the original King of Monsters from 1956. And Luke and I were on the, the Two True Freaks Godzilla podcast, which in, in a strange way gave birth to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and here we are now looking at the sequel. And, I, and as you will recall, I was not entirely enamored with the 2014 Godzilla movie because... I felt that there just was not nearly enough action in it and not nearly enough Godzilla in it. Uh, and yet, as this one started to get closer and closer, I found myself, despite what I wanted to do, I found myself getting excited about seeing this. Then it opened, and I heard very mixed reviews on it, to be honest. Some very positive, some very negative. But that's fine because, you know, things on the internet, they either have, they either have to be the greatest ever or the worst ever. Uh, and that should be ignored. Uh, but I was also just kind of intrigued at the thought of seeing King Ghidra on, you know, a current version of it on the screen. And seeing Rodan on the screen and seeing Mothra on the screen with current day and age sci-fi you know, sci special effects for them. Uh, and I was thinking maybe they learned their lesson a little bit as far as the action goes. So I managed to get myself psyched up to see it, and I went to see it, and I'll, won't, I won't give my review yet. I'll say I enjoyed it. I don't know that I loved it, but I definitely in, had a good time watching it. And now why don't you guys give me your take as far as what your anticipation was and just basically, you know, to what extent it met that expectation. Jay, you can go ahead. Okay. So um, I didn't catch this until it's been out for a number of weeks because I just didn't have time to go. Um, so I'd seen every single trailer. Uh, I saw, like, anything that was kind of released, I kind of watched because, to be honest with you, I know, I know most people don't understand this. I really don't care if I know how a movie ends. Um, I don't really care if I know what the monster looks like. I don't care about those things because I just don't. Like, I, I mean, I wish I, I wish I did. I used to, but I, I don't anymore because you know the thing is nowadays if I'm going to spend, you know, two hours doing something, I kind of want to make sure it's something I want to do. Uh, so I actually liked the, the 2014 Godzilla. Um, I did feel it was a little. It was a little too much. Uh, I think it was marketed kind of the wrong way. They kind of showed like make with like Brian Cranston's in the whole movie, and shocking, he's not. Um, sorry if you haven't seen it, folks, but it's two thousand. It's two thousand nineteen now. You're, you're behind. Um, the uh, but I thought this was marketed the way the, way the movie plays out. Though the, the trailers kind of represent it well, uh, you know. And and we actually went with um, it was my wife, my dad, and Haley and I all went, and Haley was excited to see it. Uh, because she wanted to see the monsters go and stuff, and she loved it. She too. I mean, she was. I mean, so if there's too much talking, you'll lose her. And I didn't think there was. You know, I, th I thought what they showed you in the trailers kind of really gave it out there what it was going to be. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I'll put it this way. Um, for those of you, I mean, again, not to get any way here, but uh, ILM did the uh, main effects for the movie, right? So when ILM's kind of involved, you know, like, you're going to get like. You know, some pretty good stuff. There was also nine or ten other effects houses involved. So, uh, whatever they spent in budget, I guarantee you, it wasn't to go get you know huge name actors. It was because they put it all on the screen. So, LP. Yeah. Well, uh, if you go back and listen to that uh, Godzilla twenty fourteen roundtable, I was unsurprisingly the the biggest defender of the film, and I still <laughs> I still love Godzilla twenty fourteen because it 
Gareth Edwards set out to make an American version of Gojira from 1954. And right down to some of the pacing, right down to some of the, the timing of the film and all that, that's what he shot for. And good, bad, or otherwise, he, he made the movie that he wanted to make. And, you know, Edwards was attached to direct the sequel, which at the time was untitled, the sequel to Godzilla 2014. And he eventually dropped out because he in the interim has done uh, Rogue One and then he has decided he wants to work on smaller films after doing Godzilla and Rogue One so then uh, so you know I mean I'm obviously I'm always hyped for a Godzilla movie the direction that this one took in pre-production with Edwards leaving and then Michael Doherty who if you listen to the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror which is one of the other shows on the two true freaks network that my brother and I appear on you know that I and Jay are big fans of Michael Dougherty mm-hmm. and his work in the horror genre, specifically with Trick or Treat and Krampus, neither of which are films that are going to win awards, but are definitely films that you could tell he's a fan of the genre and set out to make a fan favorite type of film. So as soon as he was announced with this, I said, okay, yeah, I, I, got a, I, I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to be a very different movie than Gareth Edwards' film, and it definitely is, and I was, I was, <laughs> I, I freaking love this movie. I thought this movie was fantastic. Uh, the, I have, <laughs> I have so many complaints about the Godzilla fandom coming into <laughs> and, 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 and post the release of this film, but the film itself, I, I had an absolute blast with this. This was a, a I, it, it met everything I was looking to uh, get out of it, and I was super excited uh, just seeing it unspool. And even taking some time and thinking about it afterwards, and it's been, because I saw it opening weekend, I saw it the, the Sunday of opening weekend, even just taking the time in the period since then to noodle on it and think about it and all that, I, I just get a big smile on my face every time I, I think about this movie. So okay. I, not, not to bury the lead. <laughs> well, now, to go to my criticism of Godzilla 2014, and I don't want to spend too much time on that movie, but I really thought that they did a poor job... Uh, of trying to get us invested in the human cast of the movie. I thought Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen were not particularly compelling in the movie. I thought that their backstories were something I was kind of almost disinterested in. Then I saw this one, and, you know, we got, uh, what is his name, Kyle Chandler and Vera Familia, and Millie Bobby Brown, who everybody might know as Eleven from uh, Stranger Things, yeah, and I, I thought, just, can I, can I, if I can just interject here, I have no idea who any of these people are because I don't watch Stranger Things. I don't, I, I don't know those three names you just. Well, said, the other, the other two I don't know. the woman's from the, the mother's from The Conjuring. She's she plays the the she's oh, what's she, your name? Oh, okay, now. yeah, yeah. All she's, right. She's well, I've seen The Conjuring. Conjuring. But yeah. you know, but but it's you know, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you, but other like I said, other than Charles Dance, you know, mm-hmm. Ken Watanabe, and and there's one other guy who pops up in this who wasn't listed in any of the uh, the cre- the credits beforehand. I know who none of these people are. So that's, <laughs> and, and that's okay. You're as far away from the pulse of modern day as I can. No, but fr- frankly, I don't I don't feel. I mean, Millie Bobby Brown is probably the biggest name of the bunch because Stranger Things is a little bit of a phenomenon, but. The other actors and actresses are, you know, they're known to an extent, but they're not marquee value people. Um, 
and as and as we you know as I the movie started to unfold and I saw them focusing on these characters, you know I started being concerned that they were going to make the same error that they did in the first one. Now there are points in this movie where I feel like the motivations of the characters or the actions of the characters in conjunction with those motivations seem a little forced. Uh, I think I'll I think that's a fair term. Um, but I did find them to be more compelling in general than in the last movie. I found their their story to be a little bit more engrossing, and I actually started to feel like I cared about them a little bit, unlike in the last movie. Uh, so right off the bat, I think we, we already have a little bit more of a success than we did in the first movie. That, and I also think they did learn from their mistakes because, you know, we do get some early action sequences with monsters. And I think you need to have that. I've, I've always said, you know, you can't go wrong with me personally if you're going to put giant monsters or giant dinosaurs on the screen and have them interact, whether it's with each other or with people. You know, I don't need a hell of a lot of story at that point if you're going to give me those things. So this one gave us some story, but it also gave us that. It gave us that action, uh, you know, early and then peppered throughout and then, you know, with the big action sequences coming up at the end. So I, you know, I, I felt we were much more successful in the general layout of this movie or, or the plot of the movie than we were last time out. Well, I mean, that that's the thing. You get that, that cuts to the chase. This is a, in theme, in pacing, and in development, is akin to a Showa-style Godzilla film from the 60s. Right down to, like you said, that there's monster action in the first act, there are characters introduced, the characters are a bit more, um, there's, a, there's, a bunch, there's a scientist character, there's a... Uh, uh, there's military character, there's a government character, there's a, you know, so all these types of things that fit in better, whereas when you look at, again, 2014, 2014, like I said, was really trying to be 54, and followed that type of pacing and that type of structure. And we talked about this again at the time, that if you look at the per, you know, percentage into the film when G first appears in 54, it's right around the same time as it is in 2014. It, that It's not done by accident. I get the feeling that because so when when um, when Edwards was still attached to this, there was a script. When Edwards left the project, and Doherty was brought in, and he brought one of his uh, one of the guys that he collaborated with, which is uh, on on Krampus, it was Zach Shields. They scrapped the original script and rewrote it. So I get the feeling that you know it, where whereas Edwards was looking all the way back to the beginning and and going to that that Doherty and Shields and and the rest of the crew. We're saying, you know what? I remember watching Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, on TV when I was a kid. That's the movie I want to make. You know? I remember watching Monster Zero. That's the movie I want to make, and that that is what shines here. This has the the you said the, the pacing, the 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 general uh, acceptance of things that are beyond comprehension. As you just kind of accept it and move on. That that's very much a show, a movie in a nutshell, right there. So I agree. I, I think that. You know, as, again, as much as I liked 2014, I think that if you were, and, and we'll get to why this is ironic in a moment, if you're going to make a movie that is going to play in the summer in America nowadays, you need to emulate those uh, th those slightly later films in the timeline, because those are the ones that were the most successful and the most popular. To this day, the Godzilla film that has sold the most tickets in Japan is still King Kong vs. Godzilla. So, 
but 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 so but the 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 irony, of course, is that you've made a film now that is way more fan friendly, and nobody's going to see it because it's the summer of 2019, and if your your movie doesn't rhyme with you know Blavengers Wendgame, you can't make any money. So. <laughs> <laughs> A movie and, I still haven't seen, and that's a disappointment. I, I have to uh, agree with you on that. I, 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 again, I'm not saying this is a masterpiece. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie, no, no. but I do think it deserves an audience, and I think people who enjoy monster movies should be seeking this out because I do think yeah. it fits it, it fits the mold of what you know what that audience looks for. Yeah, I, uh, I think monster. I think monster movies in general just don't play as much anymore, and I don't you understand be, that. Yeah. Well, you know, part of me, and I don't, and I don't mean to cast aspersions because I'm not, but I think a lot of it falls to the superhero films. It, it used to be that creature features were a go-to tentpole type of movie because now, and, and let's 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 throw alien invasions in there because that's kind of the same idea. You know, it's it's uh, the effects got to the point that we could make these these creatures be they you know uh, uh, legendary beasts of myth or giant dinosaurs or. Um, you know, just just plain monsters like in Gamma, Gamma versus Gauss. Let's just call it a monster. Uh, that that we got to the point where we could realize them so well, but now they are starting to become passe because we also the technology also became that holy crap we can bring comic books to life and have it look like, look realistic. And a comic book character, especially somebody like a Marvel character, they're going to be a lot more personable than the most personable monster in the world. That's got to be one really charming monster, you know, to paraphrase the whole picture. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I agree, because I'm, I'm all, always going to fall on the, on the non-existent spectrum of superhero and monster. I always fall to monster, so I'm, I'm just more prone, you know. You, you tell me that there's, like, Jay and I did a whole, a, whole, a whole podcast episode last year, because there were not one, not two, but three giant monster movies coming out in, in yep. 2018. And, that, and so... So we, I was excited for all monsters. Now, of course, only one of them really did any, and that was Rampage, and that's supposed to because, again, it started The Rock, you know. So, you know, I, I agree. Jurassic, wasn't Jurassic World the, the second one? Yeah, wasn't, but, well, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was last year. See, now, now, Jurassic the, World. The first Jurassic World, that didn't, Jurassic World uh, Fallen Kingdom was a big drop-off. I mean, it wasn't... It but wasn't but that's, I think that's more world. based on the fact that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and I don't want to go too far into it because I think, you know, Dave Weeder and I have already kind of set the pace that we're going to do the Jurassic movies. But Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is not the quality movie that Jurassic World was. And Jurassic World, I think, was much better received when it first came out than it was by audiences in hindsight. I think that's one where audiences, for whatever reason, retroactively decided that they didn't enjoy it as much as they did when it first came out. When they saw it later, which I, I kind of don't know why, to be honest with you, yeah. I can I can buy that. I mean, part of it was just part of that. I think was nostalgia, bringing back the Jurassic brand in such a big way, because you know, they, I mean, we're we're all uh, we're all of a certain age that we remember when the first Jurassic Park came out <laughs> and what a big deal that was. I mean, I certainly oh, yeah. do, you know. So yeah, but you know, but again, and and it's it's interesting. You talk about Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. You know, that was. It, it's funny because the the success of Jurassic World is you know the 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 rise of, of the those are the three big creature feature franchises right now are Jurassic World, uh, the MonsterVerse, and Pacific Rim. 
And all of them kind of started around the same time, and they all kind of are moving in similar directions. And they've become, you know, the, the, the yes, they're tent poles, but, you know, again, they're not Avengers movies, so they're not the tent pole. And I'm, I'm going to disagree you know, with you mildly on that, Luke, because I don't think they're headed in the same direction. I thought Jurassic World was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. I thought Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom failed to recreate what that did. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought Pacific Rim was a fairly enjoyable movie, although I think I was not the highest on it uh, when we did our round table on that. Uh, but well, I think the round table I wasn't invited to. Yes, you were not. Yes, you were on that one. No, well, I was not. I did my own Pacific episode when they recorded it without me, and I'm like, guys, what the what the f? And they're like, oh, we forgot. I'm like, yeah, okay. Really? I could have sworn <laughs> you were on that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Pacific Rim I thought was a you know was a fairly entertaining movie, whereas I think. The Pacific Rim sequel is a bomb. There's nothing else I'm going to talk about just from critical point of view. Again, I don't necessarily want to go too much into the review, but just to finish the thought, I think whether or not this made as much money as 2014, I think they actually upped their game and made a better movie. Right. Well, again, I, I and I again, I, I, I agree that it's a, certainly, I, like I said, I, it's more of a fan favorite type of movie. It's certainly a movie that's more entertaining with less. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I don't want to say it's less challenging. Because I don't think Godzilla 2014 is particularly challenging, but I think it's I think it's trying to do different things. And what I meant by by the trajectory of the films is that if you take a look at them, okay, so let's take let's take Jurassic World, let's take uh, Pacific Rim, and let's take Godzilla 2014. All of these films, on their basis, stand alone, but they also launch a franchise. Then take the second films in each of them, okay. Now we've got the Kong Skull Island kind of screws this up a little bit, but let's look at. Pacific, let's look at Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, and Godzilla King of the Monsters. All of them now are directly into we have to set up a sequel because we've made enough money that they're going to make a third one. So that, that's, that, that's kind of what I was getting at with that because now in Jurassic, in, in Jurassic World, okay, yeah, we've got the sequel hook right at the end of Fallen Kingdom, which I won't spoil because it's, we're not talking about Jurassic World. And in Pacific Rim, it's like, oh, we're going to jump ahead a number of years, and so now this is the new era we're going to tell stories in. In, in all the media. Oh, and in Godzilla King of the Monsters, we've jumped ahead five years, and majority of the characters from the first one are not back. Oh, and by the way, here's the sequel. So they're 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 kind of they're kind of following a pattern insofar as the way that they're produced. I will I will agree that the quality of each film is relative and not necessarily falling into any type of pattern because they are they do vary. And and opinions vary. See, I really liked Uprising because Uprising leaned so heavily into the stuff that uh, Del Toro specifically avoided on the first one, so it de it definitely was a change of pace. Del Toro told all of his production guys, "Don't watch anime, don't watch Daikaiju, go to every source you can to find inspiration, except those." Whereas if you watch Uprising, it's like this is an anime, this is a super robot anime where they're fighting giant monsters, except it's a tokusatsu because it's live action. So that you know, there's there's there, there's some inside baseball in all this. That being said, I I I will say this about the human story in this. I downright liked the human story in this. I liked the idea of, first off, opening it in 2014 in San Francisco. So people that say that, uh, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with it. Because I had people on supposed Godzilla fans on groups on Facebook saying, is this a reboot? This doesn't look like it has anything to do with the other one. What? And it's like, wow. So for that guy, for those people out in Rio Linda who don't get it, they put the friggin' start of the movie in 2014 in San Francisco. 
Francisco with Goji and the Mutos. So that I, I like that they <laughs> purposefully used the existing story and then move it ahead a little bit. And now we're in the 24-hour news cycle where, a, where three giant monsters destroying a major city in the U.S. is now part and parcel of the real world. That's the air quotes up to the mic, the new normal now. We were all used to that. You know, we... we we have we we've all seen it in our in our adult lives that we have literally you know a history that happens before our eyes and it gets chewed out so much because of the way that media works now that we just accept it you know the it we it's only when we stop and think about the whatever the event was and I think I think we all know what event specifically I'm talking about as we're all New Yorkers here that ne- that 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 happened and it happened a long time ago and everyone else has seemingly moved on. Except everyone is carrying that same uh, that same feeling in the back of their head, but just just that whole dynamic of of setting it not so far in the future that that we have forgotten about it, but far enough that we don't need to directly address any of the characters except um, except uh, Doctor Sarazawa and uh, his assistant, whose name I'm I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, so I I liked that setup. Then the whole the whole to be honest with you, the swerve on the human side of this, I loved. I loved the swerve in this. I guess we're going spoilers on at this point. Sure. I've already some spoilers. Uh, so the mom, when Do- when Emma is the one who is working with the eco terrorists and Charles Dance, you know, to to uh, to drop all this, uh, to to basically drop a monster bomb, monsters of mass destruction on the world to reset the world. I freaking loved that. I thought that was great. I thought that was a great play on the fact that when you get into, especially into the later Showa films, the themes of of the environment and ecology play such a huge role in those films. The only executive producer of this film is Yoshimitsu Bano. Yoshimitsu Bano is best known as the writer and director of Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, a huge, huge, you know, um, environmentalist and environmental uh, uh, awareness guy. So that to have that in there and then have that be the driver where you've got this character, yes, she has done something horrible. She feels she's done it for the right reasons. Is she a villain? It's a good question. Michael Doherty talks about that in interviews. Is Emma a villain, or is she someone who has a a bit more of a complex motivation? He says the only true villain in this film is King Ghidorah, and I tend to agree with that. So that that part of the... the, And and again, I've complained at length, for those who will listen, I'm sorry, about the how, how, to me, just ask back... The fandom, the gut fandom has been for this film, obsessing over. Oh, is it going to make more money than Endgame? No. Next question. It's like, and, and you know, it's like the stupid things like that. And it's like, well, if it doesn't do this, this, and this, it's not a real Godzilla movie. It's like, please stop talking. Please stop talking because what you're doing is making yourself and everyone around you dumber for continuing to talk. Okay, but one of the big things was, oh, anyone who anyone who watches the Godzilla movie and cares about the the human stories an idiot, not a real Godzilla fan. It's like, oh, for the love of God, don't ever watch Monster Zero because your head will explode. Okay, because that movie is all human story with a few monster bits here and there. Okay, and it and, it, and it's typically considered to be one of the best Showa films ever. So don't don't watch Monster Zero. You can't handle it if you can't handle humans talking for more than three minutes at a clip. So I, I, I and, and I'm ranting a bit here, but I, I enjoyed. I, I thought the human aspect of this was very much. I, I thought this was more enjoyable on a human story than 2014 was, as uh, 
even as much as I liked the, the, the philosophical aspects of 2014, and again, not saying that 2014 is a supremely deep movie, because it's not, but I did like those aspects. I liked the idea of the everyman looking at this crazy scenario. Here, focusing on Monarch, I thought was the right choice, and I think it, it works in this film's favor completely. I also think focusing on Monarch helps them to build the brand further. Yes, absolutely. It, it worked really well in, uh, in, in Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Jack Carpenter, the character who returns from Skull Island is uh, is a is um, is uh, oh Doctor Brooks, who was the young. He was played by Corey Hawkins in uh, in Skull Island. He's uh, Randa's younger assistant, African American assistant. Joe Morton, everybody's favorite Joe Morton, mm-hmm. plays uh, plays kind of an extended cameo in this film. But it's it's supposed to it's the same guy. So they do have that little bit of human connective tissue. Even though he doesn't get much to do. I should mention that the three of us or have already had our discussion on Skull Island, if anybody's interested and hasn't heard that. Because mm. that, would, that would essentially make this currently a trilogy, and uh, yeah. the first two have already been covered on Two True Freaks. One on Is It Yours and one on Two True Freaks proper. I should that follow- was a really good episode. I'd like to say, I re-listened to that, our Skull Island episode not too long ago. I thought we did that movie a great service, frankly. And, I, and, and that's another one where it's a, a... A lot of people kind of forgotten about it a little bit, but that's a really damn good movie. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a movie that improves with the second viewing, too, I think. Yeah. It was enjoyable yeah. the first time, but it was even more enjoyable the second when you, you, you're not fighting with your expectations as to where it might go because you already know where it's going to go. And you're not like my dad, worried about what is Kong going to eat. <laughs> oh my god Are you, yes. that is dad's entire problem well, what's he even eating well he showed him what he ate he ate the octopus dad's like see it makes sense he ate a giant octopus like, didn't we have that conversation about, last time yes, yes we did dad and worries about that crap like, I said dad you're willing to believe there's a giant monkey on this island and the dinosaurs come out of the ground but you're worried about what he's eating he goes well but he has to eat something like Godzilla has the advantage of consuming nuclear material, so yes. he, he kind of, he kind of circumvent, navigates the whole nutritional aspect. <laughs> yeah. so. Now, one of, one of the things I liked about this was the callback to King of Monsters and the original Godzilla of the oxygen uh, bomb. Yes, destroyer, yeah. oxygen destroyer. Even if it I, does... A very different thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, though, I when that came out, because I'm, you know, for movies that I'm not going to see or that I'm not as vested in, I'll watch all the trailers and all the B-roll. You know, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an MCU fan, but I'm not, I'm not a hardliner, so I watched all the commercials for Endgame and all that, and I didn't, I didn't seek out spoilers, but if they put it out there in marketing, I saw it. King of the Monsters, I tended to avoid it. And even then, even with of trying to avoid as much uh, marketing as I could, there were certain things that just were revealed and you couldn't help it. Burning Godzilla was one. Jay and I were talking about oh this my God. the other day. The, the idea that there's, that there's a burning G in this is like, really? You couldn't keep that under wraps. Right. You, know, it's yeah, not, it's you couldn't like, keep that under, under, under yeah. wraps. It wasn't like it happened in the first ten minutes either. Like, it's yeah. a major part of the end of the movie. Oh, let's just put it out there. Thanks. You know, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I part of, well, we talked with part of part of that is just because the burning G is such an iconic image that you want to play on that marketing, you know. And, and, Mike, and, and I, I get that. And of I'm course, saying the toys. Like, of course, the toys. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I mean, I get that, but I mean, and and again, I, for someone who doesn't care about those things, it just seems like there was no there was no upside to revealing that. It's not like someone said, 
Oh, burning Jesus! I'm definitely going. Anybody who was going to see it was going. It wasn't like they were trying to draw. It wasn't going to draw more audience. Like that's what that's what bothers me when you reveal something like that. If you're thinking like it's going to like if like if they hadn't shown let's let's pretend they hadn't shown every single monster in the absolute like on the posters and everything else. Yes. And you revealed like Mothra's in it and, and Rodan and like, what? Oh crap! I like all those people. Like yeah. revealing that the burning G's in it, looking like he does now. It didn't do anything by way of, I think, adding any sales right, to it. Yeah. it right, because, he will, reveal, yeah. Right, because you know. well, because in '95, the use of Burning G was the was the entire marketing plan because the first shot of the film has yeah. Burning Godzilla in it. So it right, it's, right, it right. is part and parcel of that film. That's how he looks like the entire time. Absolutely. Um, I will say this: as far as picking and choosing which monsters to use, because the story goes, and I don't know if this is true. I have heard this from sources that generally are true, but I haven't ever seen this from an official uh, source. That the story goes that when Legendary approached Toho to license the character of Godzilla. Now, the the, the if you ever want some interesting reading, um, uh, Jay interviewed a gentleman by the name of John LeMay, who has a couple of books about unmade monster movies, specifically Japanese giant monster movies. The 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 twisting turning path to leading from the original Godzilla 3D to the max, which was supposed to be an IMAX short film in 3D, directed by Yoshinitsu Bano. How we ended up from there to Godzilla 2014 is a fascinating read, if you like, mm-hmm. like you know, the kind of back, the way movies are made, that kind of stuff. But in any event, the story goes that when Legendary approached Toho to license Godzilla, they were told they could use any other monster they wanted on that license, except Rodan, Mothra and King Ghidorah, <laughs> the three most popular ones. Those are the big four of Toho. Those are the their four most popular and most marketed monsters. It's like they could have used Anguirus, they could have used Kamakuras, Ibra, Kuamonga, whoever you wanted. Jay, oh, Tyrannosaurus, if they really wanted. To. <laughs> well, I don't think that they could use anyone they want because they couldn't use uh, Mechanicon. No, 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 but no, but hold, no. Okay, but Toho doesn't own Mechanicon. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm yeah. saying because if they could use they could use they could use, they they could use any the boat. They could use any of yes can't use there's can't use we can't absolutely I'm telling you right now but, I am but waiting they, for the movie where it's Tit- Tit- Titanosaurus versus Mechanicon that'd be like my favorite movie ever and then you know <laughs> Sandy and Gaia should show up also because that would make it the best movie ever yes. you know so the great movie or the greatest. <laughs> but, those are your two options <laughs> well, so, so they go and they make this one and they purposely get like you said Paul the, the three other big four yeah. monsters and then this is I think is, is really telling they again from what I understand they said yeah if you license these characters you can use any of the other monsters that we have access to any of our monsters you can use them and they made a conscious decision not to so even though we have a spider like monster whose name is Skillia like the the monster from the uh, the the Odyssey, and we have you know a, a monster that is a big um, uh, quadruped. Well, the mastodon one is is the, the Toho doesn't have a mastodon per se. There, there's another one that we see whose name is uh, Methuselah, who has a he walks on all fours and has a bunch of spines and sharp points on his back and looks a lot like Anguirus, like if there yep. was a legendary version of Anguirus, and they could have used them and called them. You know, Kuamanga and Anguirus. I mean, Skillia comes up in Arizona. If you watch Godzilla Final Wars, that's where Kuamanga attacks, is Arizona. Yep. For, for no real good reason, but that's what it is. I think it's so they could put him in a big deserty area, like he was on an island in, in Saga Godzilla. 
but they chose not to do that. They said they wanted to, you know, that the point of the MonsterVerse was not to remake every Godzilla movie from Japan. The point was not to remake King Kong again. It was to take these monsters that everybody loves, put them into a big universe, and add new ones. So that's why we get um, the, the big mastodon is called Behemoth. So we get Behemoth, we get Skillia, we get... Uh, um, Methuselah. We get the Muto comes back at the end here. Um, you know, we get the uh, the the giant. Uh, um, what are they? The, the the giant bat things from Skull Island yep. are flying around at the end too. I personally, I, I thought that Skillia was one of the mother long legs from uh, Skull yeah. Island, but a, but when I'm looking at it, I was like, no, he's got he's got kind of like the Cthulhu face going on a little bit. Yeah. Whereas the mother, I still love the mother long legs. They are awesome. But yeah. So yeah, I, I, I really like you. Yeah. yeah. The thing the thing is too is they say that they have 17 known ones. And they don't show you all of them, right? Which, which is good, because they've now established there are other ones that they know about, but we didn't give you all of it in this film. Mm -hmm. You know, leaving, leaving something on the bone for the next movie, including the Loch Ness Monster, because uh, one of them is in Scotland in Loch Ness, and that is one of the known monsters. Yes. Um, if you look at the map, if, if, if you, can, if you, can, you can't pause the movie when you're in the theater, but yeah. when I saw when you, they show the map, I went on like, as I looked it up, I go, holy crap, it is there! And it's the Loch Ness, yeah. supposed to be the Loch Ness Monster, which I think is really funny. Um, yes, be because, because as and, we know, yes, but, uh, there was a movie that never was made called Nessie, which was the Toho Hammer uh, movie that would be absolutely great if they could eventually work in the Loch Ness Monster in here and we'd finally get that movie that yeah. never uh, happened, you know? <laughs> I, I would I would love if in at some point like maybe at the very end of Kong vs Godzilla like Nessie comes like stomping out of Loch Ness, looking like Nessie from nineteen seventy what was it nineteen seventy six whatever it was yeah seventies yeah. yeah oh that'd have been good stuff but anyway <laughs> you know that it's 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 the interesting thing is you say that they didn't give us everything and one of the things that I I, I tried I try to take you know it, it's hard you know uh, Marvel kind of set us up for this. That now we can't just go watch a movie and enjoy the movie. We have to then worry about, oh, well, what's going to be the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? You know, and, and, and that one, this one has that to a degree, obviously, especially at the end. You know, the uh, I will say, to their credit, they kind of backload a lot of the stuff that's going to be what's for the next one. You know, because mm -hmm. Kong doesn't have any real role in this other than he gets, he gets a, a name drop and he's on, we see him on the screen and stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah, the novelization wrong. actually does mention him in in, a, in an amusing way, where um, so in the novelization, you know, King Ghidorah sets out his call and all the monsters start running wild and rampaging. Kong hears it and it's like, whatever, I don't care. He's not on Skull Island. I'm not interested. <laughs> and he just kind of does his own thing. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that they didn't tease Kong too much. You know, they, yeah. they let us know he's there and that they're aware of him and, you know, they had, you know, just a little reference to him, but we didn't, we didn't have to bring him out yet because we know he's coming. Right. right. Yeah, I agree with that. And, but I, I, I thought that this film, standing on its own feet, yes, it's part of the franchise. Yes, it is a sequel. Yes, it will have its own sequel. I thought standing on its own two feet, I really enjoyed this. It has a legit beginning, middle, and end. It has a rising action, a climax, and a falling action. It it has its own characters. It has its own villain. I mean, I, I if, if King Ghidorah manages to come back from what happens to him at the end of this film, I will be impressed. How about that? If he comes back in the next one, because well, no, King well, Ghidorah is pretty soundly beat, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, but yeah, but the whole point is they. I mean, well, again, it's spoilers are on here. When you sit through all the credits and the uh, you know the ILM and the other ten uh, you know effects uh, houses go by and the thousands of people worked in this film, and the last scene is they have the piece of the the severed head. Yeah. So they could clone them. They and could, they, or they could, or they could turn him into a cyborg. Yeah, no, right. I'm saying they could clone him, so he could <laughs> come back as that. It would be way better if he comes back as Mecha King Ghidorah, you know, kind of yeah. thing, like the Mecha King Ghidorah, you know, kind of thing. That would be really cool. But I'm saying is, but they totally could, in theory, there lead you in the idea. Well, we can clone him, make another one, or yeah. you know, or maybe this time he doesn't have three heads. Maybe this time he's got like seven heads or something like that. Because again, it's the whole Hydra thing. You know what I'm saying? So. So maybe maybe he well or perhaps he'll be Orochi at that point, right? Yes, right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, so. we we we've talked about uh, many headed dragons in mythology, east and west, before as well. Uh, but 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 you know, and, and I agree. Yes, obviously. In in but that 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 kind of goes what I was saying. It's still backloaded. That that's the post credit yep. scene, which mm-hmm. I thought was I thought that was also a great. Um, Kind of a sideways, winky, sort of same idea like Pacific Rim, where in the Pacific Rim films, kaiju remains are this huge black market, and now they've bought, they've literally bought a piece of daikaiju remains, or titan remains, on the black market, right? I I expected uh, uh, Ron Perlman to show up, where the hell is my goddamn shoe? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it must make sense, too, because their entire village is uh, reliant on them fishing. And now they've killed all the fish in their ocean. Yeah. And they, they can't survive. So how are they going to survive? Well, they survive by making do. And by making do is they sell the part of Ghidra that was left over. And, you know, now they can make their money to help you know, everyone kind of support their village. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So, which I, that was had rip, rip shit up in there. So. Okay. So I just want to throw this out there. I saw this the other day, and I thought about this. Like, this is me right. Um, and, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this. Rodan kind of reminds me of Starscream. Yes. Um, in this. Uh, <laughs> he is, he is uh, the Starscream of this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, I mean, put aside the, the flying fast and all that stuff, whatever. But man, does he Starscream it up. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, you're, you're in charge? I'll bow to you. Oh, oh it's you now? Yes, like, but yet yeah. he's all ready to be like total badass until some other bigger bad shows up. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, he definitely starts it up, and it's like I'm working for King Peter. Hell yes, I will go fight Mothra. Absolutely, yes, yeah. sir. Oh man, yeah. that didn't work out so good for me. <laughs> yeah, but I, I kind of say I, I think that's amusing, and it's it's a good point. But I think they kind of gave they they sold him short in this movie because of that. I think he should have been more of a threat. Well, you know, the thing with the thing with Rodan is that I mean, obviously in a, in in the original Rodan, the Rodans are they they are they are terrifying in that movie when you get right down to it because Toho was still definitely in the monsters are horror movies aspect when they were doing uh, uh, Rodan from 1956, uh, which to me, I mean, nothing will touch Gojira, but if you want a, I mean, I put Rodan against any science fiction film. In any era, I put that movie up against it. That's how good I think the original Rodan is. But when even you look at like like Ghidorah, look at Ghidorah, the three-headed monster from 1964. Um, Rodan and Godzilla beat the hell out of each other for that movie. But Rodan is he spends a good portion hiding from King Ghidorah, which is he'll hide behind the rock and duck his head and then duck the gravity beam and then pop his head out and duck the gravity beam. Um, but yes, I mean, I did like that he did have an attitude. He was the wild card that would fight and, yeah. and, and charge. He charges right at King Gator with no fear, but then he gets beaten, 
and he's not the alpha. He's Rodan wants to be the alpha, like Starscream, but he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's out of his weight class a little bit here. I yeah. mean, it, it's hard because Rodan is a very popular character, but when you look at it, he really doesn't have that many appearances. You know, because no. he, he he has major appearances in obviously this is his first film, then in Gator the Three Headed Monster, and then Monster Zero, and then Destroy All Monsters, and then everything else is cameos for for Rodan until you get to the Heisei films, and then it's only one film. And then he again he he has an extended cameo in Final Wars, like like everybody does essentially. So yeah, it's it's an interesting. I mean, there's been a lot of people making a lot of fun of Rodan online because of this. Um, there's, there's one where it's, uh, it's Rodan is being marched up to Mothra to apologize by Godzilla. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that, uh, moth lady. And he's like, you will call me <laughs> Mrs. Mothra. He's like, that moth lady is scary, dude. He's like, bro, I hear ya. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I just, I like, yeah, yeah, it's just, he, it's just, I just thought it was really funny that, like, yeah. he kind of, he, like, he's, he's, like you said, he's the wild card. He's he's not afraid to fight Ghidra. If it didn't work out, all right, I guess I can work for him. Once Ghidra's down, hey, Godzilla, just you know I was working for you the whole time, right? Like, but he's, he's, well, once once Godzilla, once once you know, Ghidra's that, yeah. down, they all just bow to Godzilla. There's no yeah. more even you know nobody's going to challenge for supremacy at that point. I right. yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that not only is he not he's like I said he's not afraid of King Ghidra. He charges right at him. He, he charges right at Mothra, and Mothra, the, I mean, you can tell how powerful she is just by kind of looking at her, and her design reminds me a lot of the, the um, there's a, a lesser known monster, because she only appeared one time, called Megajirus from, uh, from 2001, and Megajirus was kind of a play on Mothra, and also kind of a update of the Mega Neuron, which were the big bugs from Rodan in 56, but Megajirus had the claws and had a big tail kind of like this whereas mother you think about her she normally has her little legs and just the big wings and her attacks are you know the poison powder or just blowing people back or whatever whereas mother is much more aggro in this film not as aggro as mother can get anyway but uh i i i, I thought the two of them because the the uh and a mothra has only tangled with rodan once and that was in uh, again, in in Ghidra, the three-headed monster, when the Mothra larva is you know silking up both of them, saying, "Hey, you idiots! We need to go fight that monster with three heads," and they just want to fight each other. That matchup of the two flyers of Rodan and Mothra over the skies of Boston, I I thought that was a great choice. I was happy to see that. And yeah, Mothra, she's a she's a smart cookie. She knows she knows how to take care of herself. Now, should Mothra have had her two little singing fairies with her? Well, she had her. She had her priestesses. Did she? Yeah, the, the yeah the, the the two scientist twins, yeah. the one that's working. The, uh, the one in one place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's kind of. And then they, 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 showed, they showed their Go whole ahead. family of twins. Like it's yeah. weird. Like they're all twins. Yeah, and either part all of female like, twins. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me's <laughs> thinking like, oh man, this is like uh, some some uh, um, World War Two wet dream. Look at all these twins. We could do all the experiments on them. <laughs> I was going to say, all these Asian twins, normally you got to pay extra for that kind of action. That's right, you know? it is. It's a lot that's extra. You definitely have to yeah. pay for that, you know. Well, the yes, but those, so so doctors, Dr. Chen and Dr. Chen were were an homage to the Shobajin, uh, yeah. the, the twin fairies, or the cosmos, as, or, as we might call them here in the West. Uh, and according to Dougherty, there was a scene in the script, because in the, one of the post, again, one of the scenes in the post-credits is we yeah. get, we see the newspaper clipping about another Mothra egg. 
being found. Yeah. And so when when Doctor Chen, when Eileen Chen is showing uh, every showing the family tree, there's the younger set of twins who are like five six years old. They were supposed to be at the site of the new egg, praying to the new egg. And that's why it says Infant Island 1960, or 1961, yeah. excuse me, on there, because that was, that's the original Mothra. So, yeah, could you have done the 12-inch tall Shobajin as ridiculous as things are in this movie? I think you probably could have done it and just everybody take it with a straight foot. You you know, I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Oh, Jay, what do you think? Could, could they have done the actual Shobajin instead of the, the this this style Shobajin? Okay, so you know I say to dad all the time, you're willing to buy everything up to this right. point, and I'm not buying that. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, is that the people, and again, I know some people have kind of been down on this and whatever, everyone's willing to buy everything up to this point. If you had two tiny little ladies, uh, like they did back in the day, and they're there, I don't think so. I think it works better when you have two six-year-olds, uh, you know, children who are small, and so you still could get the idea of scale, the giant egg and the two little tiny people. And they were there praying to the to the egg, like 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 the the pre, like they do in uh, you know in, in Mothra and everything else. I don't think you can get away with the little tiny like ladies, you know, in this one. See, just, I think you true. could if you presented them with some sort of a backstory to explain their existence. I, I'm just saying, it's, I think it'd be a lot easier to kind of just go with the two little girls uh, because yeah. then you don't have to explain it. Just, you know, you know what I like. Though. You know what, 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 what way I would like to do that? The two six-year-old girls, right? But you have them always there and always six years old, even like through the ages. Yeah, I could see that. Yep. Yeah. See the way the way that if you the way that you're gonna if if you want to do and and I'm using this term shobajin and I, and I should apologize. I'm not sure everyone's familiar with that. Shobajin literally translates to small, beautiful women, and that is what the twin fairies are always called in Japan. They're called the shobajin. Um, in, in the U.S., they were normally called the Twin Fairies or the, or cosmos, the cosmos, is what they yeah. got. Yeah. Um, in, uh, I always knew them as the Twin Fairies because the, uh, the, the, really, the Showa films, yeah, specifically Gator to Three-Head Monster, calls them the Fairies. Uh, straight from Mothra's Island, the Twin Fairies. Uh, and we shall translate for you. I, I love that Mothra's priestesses show up on a what happened to them, they, these people that used to be famous, we're, we're going to catch up with them show. It's like, Really? They don't have anything better to do. But anyway, um, I think <laughs> you, you've, the way that you do them in that fantastical way is you make them citizens of this hollow earth, this um, Pellucidar sort of scenario that they've set up that, again, you talk about connective tissue to uh, Skull Island. That was like the whole driving force of Skull Island was this idea that the skull crawlers came out of the ground because the earth is hollow. And, you know, everybody thought that John C. Riley was crazy, but that's where it is. And clearly there was some sort of civilization that existed down below. Was it Atlantis or was it Mu? Or if you really want to go Godzilla, was it Seatopia? Did they worship the god Megalon, perhaps? You know, I wouldn't, oh, I'd man, be okay be with that. <laughs> Rise up, Megalon! Rise up! <laughs> I'm just waiting for, Titanosaurus, what is the matter? That was on the other day, and then I Haley saw that part. She's like, "That's what this is from, Dad." I'm like, "I know, isn't it great?" She goes, "Eh." <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Poor Doctor Professor Mafune, go losing yeah. it over Titanosaurus. So, yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely had the ring of Atlantis, or like there being more than just what you'd seen. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Well, that's, what, that that's allows, what I'm saying. Yeah. At, at, in, and in the West, it allows the whole idea of sorry, it allows the whole idea of the the hollow Earth 
to be like now it's not just oh it's a theory and like now it's oh, that's how Godzilla gets there. It explains things. It's it's like how does Jason Voorhees get where he's going if he only walks? Yeah. Right. Well, it's how does Godzilla get from one side of the earth to the other side of the earth so quick? Hollow Earth. Yeah. Okay. Makes perfect sense now, and it yeah. allows him to disappear without being be able to track because. It's not like you're. It's not like it's King Kong where he's like twenty five feet tall, right? Like the original King Kong. Yeah. Like you know, you can disappear twenty five feet. You here, a couple of hundred feet tall. It's hard to disappear. Right. You know, so, to the so. to the point that King Ghidorah has to has a power that helps him hide because of he's yeah. so large, yeah. by being able to create the storms that they they can't see through. Which I thought again was was, was clever awesome. because yeah. yeah well you know all all the flying monsters always have the ability to create hurricane force winds because it worked really good with Rodan so they used it over yeah. and over again. But yeah. King Ghidorah does that's not like his main method of attack. So I thought it was interesting they use the idea that he can create such powerful uh, winds around him that he can create storms and stuff and plus it looks really dramatic. So it's got that well, going is, on too. Is is it is it that he's producing enough wind to do that when he's flying, or is it that he's a cosmic creature, so he has his ability to control the weather? I I think it's I think it's a little bit of both because he also has yeah. remember his beams, they look like electricity, but they're not. They're actually called gravity beams because they disrupt the flow of of gravity around them. So. If you want to get real inside baseball, if you get real deep in the otaku, the reason why when Ghidorah shoots a building with his beam, it breaks apart, is that he's reversing the gravity and splitting it apart. That's why in Final Wars, Kaiser Ghidorah can pick Godzilla up and throw him around with his gravity beams. You know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's, it's it, yeah. And But you, you touch on a really good point. Making King Ghidorah a full-out space monster. Mm-hmm. I was, I said that, I said that to you when we did... Uh, well, I forget what we were talking. We were talking about. It. I said, I said, I can buy Godzilla as a monster born on Earth. I can buy Rodan and Mothra as monsters born on Earth. It's like there is no evolutionary advantage to having three heads. Why and no King, hands and no hands? So why would yeah. King Ghidorah exist on Earth? And they just said, "Fuck it, he's a space monster." I'm like, "Hell yes, he's a space monster, absolutely." I that uh, they I read an interview again with Darty where he said they kind of toyed around with being vague about. It. He's like, "No, let's just call him a space monster. That's what he is." Yeah. <laughs> well, and it also makes perfect sense though, because he now has the ability to regenerate his head. He now has he has he has the things because he's a space monster. Um, he can appear in all these different cultures as you know, because uh, uh, hydras and multi-headed dragons have appeared in all these different cultures throughout the years, which is true, right? Um, the, and it allows it to be like, well, how'd they get here? It's all the what do you call stuff? It's all you remember remember um, in search of the the show yes. back in the seventies stuff, right? You know what I'm saying? Right, and the the first in search of was they did the the um, ancient astronauts, and they're talking about well, how can how can civilizations which existed, you know, uh, thousands of miles apart have all these things in common? It's because of aliens, you yeah. know, kind of thing, and like, and it makes sense now. How is it possible that there's there's multi-headed dragons and all these different things that are are literally centuries apart, have no idea of each other? Well, because they're saying, well, yeah, it exists because. That means you have what do you call? They exist because you have aliens coming down, and the aliens and this alien is the you know the the ruler, and he has three heads, and that's why they put him in there. And I'm like, sure, and it's easy to buy because yeah. it doesn't have to. Again, that's why I think that's easy enough to buy because you're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm willing to believe that the, there's a hollow earth and Godzilla's, yeah. you know, whatever, and I'm willing to buy everything else to this point, yeah. you know. So well, and, and making him a space monster also does a really neat narrative trick. 
in that again the whole the whole the, these all three of these films including Skull Island are based on this idea that there has to be an apex predator that yep. comes in and RKO's people out of nowhere but uh, <laughs> wrong, wrong apex predator uh, but uh, so uh, but that, that this idea that there's this apex predator who's the top of the food chain and you know dad and I were talking about this earlier today I think that's the setup that that's what the story needs to be in Kong Godzilla you have two alphas one has to be the alpha you can't have two alphas but that yeah. put, putting that aside so and and so you have this this idea that it's based on the natural order let them fight let them sort out who is there who is the alpha the idea that um, that uh, one of the things that they talk about and, and Emma's whole plan is that if they let this go back they can reverse the damage that's been caused so it's this ecological type of, of theme so now you introduce an alien and they say it he's an invasive species mm-hmm. and invasive species are by their nature destructive I mean even something as innocuous as the common goldfish because of goldfish being flushed down toilets and dumped out into drinking waters goldfish uh, who are not designed to live in certain ecosystems destroy ecosystems because they are an invasive species. Now your invasive species has three heads and shoots lightning. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's a gr- it's, it's a great setup. Is like okay, because if Godzilla is supposed to be the top dog, the big cheese, why is this guy a bigger cheese than him? Well, he ain't from around here. He's from the next. He's from the next nebula over. So it, it's it. I like that a lot. And used and again, I'm not a you know, and I'm not I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to lose my mind over an ecological message in a monster movie. That that's kind of part and parcel. But just using the term invasive species, I was like, that's brilliant. That yeah. that 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 captures everything you need to know about why. First off, why King Ghidorah upsets the balance so much, and why Godzilla's like, oh hell no, you know. Well, <laughs> but, but if you think about King Ghidorah throughout all the film, uh, like if you think about him throughout all the films, throughout all the different, you know, the different. Uh, you know the Showa era and the Hesai era and all those different things. Anytime Ghidorah shows up, it's like a major thing. Like yes. Godzilla fights all kinds of monsters. He fights, you know, Megalon and he fights, you know, um, you know, uh, well, Mechagodzilla and whatever. But every time Ghidorah is there, he's always the big bad. He's yeah. always the worst thing you could get. So he's always kind of like he's, you know, uh, it's it's like it's like it's like the Yankees and Red Sox kind of thing. You know, what I'm saying like you know. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, I'll root for the Red Sox. And now the Red Sox are good. Oh, no, I don't know. You can root for them, kind of. But, no, you're not going to. Like, they're the right. other evil. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, not to, you know, but it's true. It's like, it's like it's the, you know, there's the bad guys and the other bad guys. So, right. and yeah. Godzilla becomes the good guy because he's the one trying to stop this other badder guy from right. destroying the Earth. So he becomes the good guy to fall, but at no point, like especially in the, um, you get to get to the Godzilla movies in the '90s and stuff, right? Godzilla's not a good guy. He's he's not the hero. He's just not in the mood for space Godzilla. Yeah. He's not in the mood for destroy. He's like, look, I don't I don't like you people, but I really don't like this guy coming in and messing my stuff up. Yeah. Seriously, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, well, I think that's it. that's where I was looking to actually go. So that you you gave me the perfect opening, <laughs> Jay, uh, because because I think you know in in Skull Island they set up King Kong as a protector, mm-hmm. and then in this movie they start out you know when when they're uh, presenting their their 
theories on this. You know, when when the uh, the part where you know, oh, so Godzilla would be our pet? No, we would be his. Yeah. Uh, you know, they start right out with that, and then as the movie goes on, they make it pretty clear that Godzilla, you know, well perceived as an enemy of humankind is not. He truly is a protector. And and that, you know, then they, they get to the point where they thought they killed him and he needs to be revived and all of that, which is, you know, I, th- I think it's pretty well done in this movie, to be to be totally mm-hmm. honest with you. Uh, yeah. But it also now, it sets him up as yet another protector of humankind. So, you know, I'm seeing this as an interesting setup because in King Kong versus Godzilla, King Kong was clearly the protector and Godzilla was the villain in that movie. Yeah. But now I think they're setting it up as we have two heroes, two protectors of humankind. And I, I'm expecting, you know, the traditional Marvel team-up formula where the two of them will fight each other, but eventually by the end team up to fight some greater challenge. Well, could, think, that, be, could that be uh, Mecha King Ghidorah? Yeah, could right? be Mecha King Ghidorah, I mean, absolutely. To me, I think if you open the movie, like you said, Paul, had them do the you know the, the usual Marvel thing where they fight each other first, and then they come together like, okay, well, look, we might not have settled our differences, but we got to take care of this guy. And yeah. You know what? You leave it open at the end then, too, to say, hey, at some point, we're going to finish this. Like, you know, it's that, it's that begrudging at the end when they finally beat him and they're both kind of beat to a pulp. Because let's face it, at the end of uh, Godzilla 2014, it's not like he's looking great. No. Like he's literally all you know. The the mutos almost killed him. You know, at the end of this one, it's I mean, you know, I know he's standing up at the end, but let's be honest, they you know he gets killed in the middle, you know, because they use the you know the oxygen destroyer on him. But it's like it, it's not like Godzilla's just like cakewalks through this. You yeah, know? and it's and, and and that's a positive to the from a movie perspective. He's not shown as being invincible. He is the yeah. king of the monsters, but he's not invincible, and. Therefore, you can present a challenge that is too much for him to handle. Mm-hmm. See the way that the way I kind of uh, uh, my thought on this kind of twofold. So, I'm I'm gonna I'm 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 a typical Daikaiju fan. I'm gonna reference another movie to make my point. So in in Godzilla vs. Mothra '92, okay, the two antagonist yeah. monsters are Mothra and Batra, okay, and Mothra and Batra are very very similar, okay. Batra um, is you know sometimes called like Battle Mothra. That's kind of the idea of where her na- what his name comes from. So Batra's like an evil, nasty-looking version of Mothra, okay? Now, Batra was created from the spirit of the Earth to defend the Earth. Mothra was created by the ancient civilization to defend humanity, and that is why they fight. So I almost think, going with kind of what you were saying, Paul, that, yes, Kong is a defender of... Of the, of the people, because that was his role. He defended the natives on Skull Island. If you read any of the back matter that Legendaries yeah. put out, the idea that the Kongs were raised to be the uh, the war machines of these native people and all that, I could totally buy that. Godzilla, I don't think, I think most humanity is below his notice. I think that he, def- he is the guardian of the Earth, and that the Earth is his turf. And so again, you might, that could that be the potential setup? One is the guardian of the Earth, and one is the guardian of humanity. And that's that's a good point. I I, yeah. I concede that I was looking at it a little too narrowly there, and and I think you're right. I, I think uh, Godzilla I think, I think is not necessarily go. presented as a protector of humanity so much, uh, yeah. because and there's I'm sure a lot of people are dying in this movie anyway. Oh yeah, um, yeah. 
I mean, that's oh. I mean, that's the thing. You can go in a lot of different directions with it. Yeah. Uh, personally speaking, I don't. I mean, I would love to see Kong and Godzilla team up and fight, like you know, Mecha King Ghidorah or something like that, because I think it'd be cool. But at yeah. the same time, the the old school purist in me just wants to see Kong and Goji beat the mm. hell out of each other. Also, you know, well, the, if if they can tear down a Tommy Castle again somehow, yeah. that would be great. I don't know how you'd make well, that work. <laughs> the thing is this. The, I mean, the thing is this. There's no reason to have uh, Mecha King Ghidorah in this movie until the post-credit scene when they're yeah. like, "We finally have it," and they, and then when the show is like, "Well, okay, well we we, like, we try cloning it, but we can't. We, we we need to give it like whatever." And they have them like building. Just you don't have to even show the whole thing going together. Just have them building because Mecha King he has what he has one yeah. real head yes, and one, one mechanical two mechanical. Head, yeah. It's no, one, mechanical, one mechanical, mechanical head real. and two real heads, yeah. Okay, so this time, they, they could maybe they grow the thing and, like, they can't get it right. So they have maybe two mechanical heads and one whatever yeah. head, something like that. You know, so it looks different, yeah. you know. The other thing is that, one again, one of the blink and you'll miss it things in the credits, there is a, one of the headlines does involve Monarch building a giant robot. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. so do with that information... What you will, if, if now I will say, I, and, and I'm just this is just a warning for the people in Lower New York. If it is in fact Mechanicong that they build, you can expect you know a, a raging lunatic in the the uh, it's somewhere in in Putnam County, running around shaking people, saying it's Mechanicong, man. <laughs> I, and, uh, like I tell you right now, if they put Mechanicong in, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Could you imagine that? Oh, can you imagine that? It's Godzilla's fighting King Kong, and all of a sudden he hits him with the atomic breath, and then like all the fur falls off, and it turns into Mechanic Kong, like like exactly like in Godzilla. Was which one is that? Godzilla versus Mech Godzilla. Godzilla, yeah. It's right? Where, 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 where it's like, oh my god, that's not Godzilla, that's Mech Godzilla. Dude, oh my god, people would just mark out so hard for that, like. <laughs> Oh my god. Especially if the Mechanic Kong had his bandolier of grenades as well. Not for nothing to take my money. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, it be... that stuff writes itself, man. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> hey, if only they had the rights. So, uh, <laughs> Mechanic oh, yeah. Kong is one of those really hard cases, and Luke always talks about this. It's like, the one of the, absolute, the, one of the I mean, again, he's not Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, Ghidorah, right? But Mechanic Kong is literally one of the most popular characters ever that from any Toho film that has never appeared again because they don't have the rights to them. Yeah, yeah. You know? So Yeah, that that's because it's it's Rankin Bass owned Mechanicon. Yeah. You would because think that wouldn't be that hard to get a hold of. Right. But it's it's one of these things where Rankin Bass no longer exists and so the right you know, who owns what things and all this and and the other thing is that um, you know, the Toho has for a long time for a long time been willing to license Godzilla and their other monsters to people in the West because it's an easy source of income for them. When, oh, yeah. when things when things were you you wonder why there was a Marvel comic and a Hanna Barbera cartoon in the seventies because it was a hell of a lot cheaper to license it and have somebody else make it and get a check than to make it yourself. When the Japanese economy was in the tank and the movies budgets were getting cut and cut and cut, and after seventy four when they said we can't if we are losing more money than we're making making Godzilla so we can't do it anymore. You know, so it's like, sure, Marvel, you want to pay us? Please, you can use them. Give us a check. Hanna Barbera's, you give us a check. So they've always been willing to license their monsters for not for you know for other companies to use as well as for merchandise and such. In the um, you know in in it was 1992 
It was they were or actually it was 1990. It was 1990 actually. They were looking to release a remake of King Kong vs Godzilla in 1992 on the 30th anniversary, and they inquired with Universal how much it would cost to license Kong, and it was more than their budget for the entire film. And, and so they said, okay, yeah. we'll use Mechanicon, because we own him, don't we? And they said, no, you don't. And if you use anything even remotely like Kong, we will sue you out of existence. And yeah. Toho's not a small company. I'd like, to, I'd like to point that out. They're the largest studio in Japan. So they're not a small firm, but relative to Universal, yes, they yeah. are. So, and and yeah. John LeMay covers a lot of this in his book. Uh, he, well, he covered it definitely in the... Um, um, was the the King Kong one that I had him on? Uh, I've got it right about. here. The first, oh, the Kong, yes, the uh, uh, was Skull Unmade, Skull Island, or Skull Island Unmade yeah. is the Kong, Kong one. Kong Unmade, yeah, Kong Unmade. Kong Unmade. And then yeah. the Japanese, the the Daikaiju one, the first one. I've got it right here. It's called the Big Book of Japanese Giant Monster Movies: The Lost Films. Yeah. And uh, so John John LeMade does some great stuff. Like I said, if I you're think he covers it in both of them. I'm, I'm sure the he Kong does. One. I'm sure he yeah, does. Yeah, he does a great job of doing that stuff. So. But yeah, and 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 the thing is, but the Mechanicong was like they they were going to go to use him several times before that. Before that, they yeah. were like, well, let's and they changed it up, and the movies fell through and whatever. And like, so Mechanicong has been talked about and talked about, and talked about because getting King Kong was hard enough. Because yeah. when King Kong, okay, so I know some people may not know this, but um, uh, De Laurentiis remade King Kong. Obviously, everyone knows that. But there was actually another version of Kong that was being made that sounded way better than uh, than his remake. But they the problem was who owned the rights to Kong was in in flux. Who really owns the rights to this? Was it was it owned by Miriam C. Cooper? Was it owned by RKO? Was it owned by the guy who who wrote the uh, the, the, book. The, the book? Like yeah. there's all these different people who claim rights and they were selling rights that they didn't own. You know, so that's one of the things when you start thinking about that, that there is a Kong of Skull Island that exists is uh, is is great because that lives in the scene. So the, the, the Peter Jackson remake of King Kong, which is just nuts, right? You know, kind of thing by way of like, wow, that how did this ever get made? Because this is yeah. really just a love letter to 1933, right? That, that there's another film that came out called Kong Skull Island, which truly lives in this universe and is setting up the next film, which, and again, I know some people are like, well, if it didn't make... I mean, okay, to be honest with you, there is only one movie that has ever made as much money as Endgame. It's Avatar. They are anomalies. They are not the norm. Like, there's no way to, there's no way to expect that Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was going to make a billion dollars, a B. <laughs> They're not going to make a billion dollars, yeah. right? I mean, but literally, you could add up all the previous Godzilla films and they don't crack a billion dollars. And, yeah. and that's a lot of movies. Well, <laughs> and I, and like, I'm well, not yeah. saying that to put them down. It's just not, yeah. the, that's just not where they play. Right. To, 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 for, for a movie to make a billion dollars, that's an insane amount of money. I mean, we're talking about, what, Avatar, uh, Endgame, did... Uh, did, did um, uh, no. uh, Return of the King? Return, did no, make it Return, there? no, I don't think Return of the King did, but The Force Awakens did. Did Force Awakens get there? Okay. Yeah. Force, mm -hmm. Force okay. Awakens has like 900 million just in the U.S. The, okay. the Force Awakens, that's the thing, it's that, you know, um, and, and, I, and I don't want to get into it, but yeah, Force, Force Awakens, there's a few of them that have a B in front and that a billion, and it's not, and it's like, the only, I, I think the only real monster movie of them is Jurassic World yeah. that made that much. Well, and again, we're talking Jurassic World with something up in the like that too. Right. I mean, but Titanic's up there too, 
Yeah, with the old with the with with uh, tickets that cost less and things like that. Yeah, whatever tickets that cost less and no no three D engagements. And, yeah, right. You know, I mean, I mean is, Titanic. You could very easily tie that back into the MonsterVerse. We've all seen that image of Godzilla sinking the Titanic. Everybody. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There it is, right there. That's that's that, that's that's the that's the tie-in at the end of the next Godzilla movie. Yeah. And it's like it says it just feels like Titanic. You know, 19 whatever. Sir, what is that? Oh my God! It's Godzilla! Bam! They go down, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I mean, just to be honest, Betty, think about it: is that those kind of things, like to, to expect a a monster movie to somehow be able to create that much revenue? Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine it could ever do that. Like, I couldn't imagine it could ever do that. I mean, even the original King Kong, which was re-released what, like, ten times. Right, I mean, if you if you adjusted for inflation and all stuff like that, it still wouldn't be the highest grossing movie of all time. And King Kong is one of the most influential movies ever made. Period. You yeah. know, the, the, the thirty-three King Kong. Without thirty-three King Kong, there's the, we're not having this. Yeah, we're not we're literally not, this, not having this discussion. Yeah, right, because there is no Godzilla without it. You know, that's how big a hit it was that they were like, well, let's make our own, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. well, uh, and, that, and that, that's the thing ultimately is that, and I, and I think that's really the telling thing about King of the Monsters, is that King of the Monsters is not trying to be Kong 33. It's not trying to be, right. you know, Gojira. It's it's trying to be, an, it's, it's a lot like we talked about on the vault with Trick or Treat and with Krampus. It's trying to be an entertaining movie it's trying to be a movie that the fans can get behind that fans of that genre can get behind and it, it is and i get the feeling that it's the movie that mike doherty wants to watch yep you know and and for that i think it works really well i think as far as a a a, a i mean a movie came out in the u.s here on may 31st it's right in the middle of the summer movie season it was right as school was getting out here in the south a few weeks before school got out in some of the other parts of the country this is a movie that is is a best enjoyed in the theater in the summer, just tub of popcorn, monsters wailing on each other, and and it's it doesn't to me it doesn't insult my intelligence. I mean, I've watched some really crappy monster movies. That's like really, really, this wasn't one of them. You know, it it it, it keeps you engaged when there's not monsters fighting. It keeps you just enthralled when there are monsters fighting. This this was just it 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 reveled in being a Daikaiju movie. And, and I, I think it had slightly higher aspirations in that I think it really wanted to, it, although it is a movie unto itself, as you said, but I think it really wanted to be part of a bigger picture and yes. create a bigger picture. So I think I think its aspirations were somewhat higher than just, you know, let me just make a, an entertaining movie. Uh, I, I think there is, you know, franchise thoughts that went into this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I agree with you that it isn't trying to be the groundbreaker type movie. In fact, I think if anything, it's trying to take the mistakes of the past and, and correct them and build on what they already know people like and give them what they like, which is, you know, kind of what you were saying as well. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's a throwback in a lot of ways. You know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we're... As always, whenever the three of us talk, and actually, I should say whenever the two of you talk, really, but whenever the three of us get together, we always run a little longer than I anticipate. So let me let me try and steer you towards, is there anything else that you guys found to be significant in this movie, whether it be uh, something in the way it was presented or something in the bigger message that it gives or anything like that before we start getting into our ratings? Well, the one thing I wanted to point out, and we, Luke mentioned what Mothra looked like was how small Mothra was 
Um, because, again, she's, I mean, obviously, it's a she. I mean, they, they make it very clear that she's the queen, but that she's physically smaller than the other monsters, right? But mm -hmm. yet, she's able to do things that they can't do. You know what I'm saying? Which, it's just, it's it's funny, it's like, that her size does not dictate her power. You know what I'm saying? By kind making of like her Yoda. smaller. Yes. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm saying, by making her smaller, she can't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with everybody. She can't go and slug it out with them. But she has to be smarter than them, has to be craftier than them. That's why when Rodan comes in, and she lures him in, and then stabs him right through the chest with her with her stinger. I'm like, oh my god, it was awesome, it was a great idea. Because the old Mothra, you know, when, when, when she's actually a moth and not just the, the larvae, right? You know, it's all about, like, her with her dust and, like, those, you know, you know flying her wings around. But she's the same size as Rodan, pretty much, right, Lou? Yes. Yeah. I mean, so here, her being smaller, I thought was, I thought it was, uh, visually, it gave you a different feel. Because you're, you're watching, like, you know, King Ghidorah is humongous, and then you have Rodan, who's big. But it's like anything else. It's like in the original Rodan, the uh, the little bug creatures are big, until you see Mothra eat, until you see a Rodan eat them. Right? They're yeah. big against humans, but they're not that big because Rodan eat them. Right? Here, Mothra her size was important. I think yeah. it plays up that idea too that uh, because <sighs> not to be read more into this than maybe it was, but again, she's the only female monster like, like we don't know what the other ones are but she's identifies a female and yet she's still dangerous she still is you know she's still you know even though she doesn't look like she should be a threat to anybody is still very very important and is very able is able to turn the tides when need be yeah you know what i'm saying but absolutely so. the, the thing i want to build on with that is the idea of mothra and godzilla having a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm which people are yeah. reading this as, oh, they're shipping Godzilla and Mothra. It's like, no, fanboy. Stop talking, please. They're not shipping Godzilla and Mothra. They are a symbiotic relationship. It is a mutually beneficial relationship. It's like Venom. Look it up. But uh, <laughs> a, a little a little less intense than Venom. But yeah. the idea yeah. of... No, 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 but nobody gets eaten at the end there. So yeah. Well, I mean, no, King Gator gets eaten at the end of that. Of this, yeah, so. well, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> But Mothra's not like in Godzilla's head. Like, I'm not a parasite. Why did you say that? But, uh, <laughs> Eddie! Yeah. Eddie! But, uh, no, but the idea that, okay, so you've got, again, the, the king of the monsters and the queen of the monsters, and they work as a symbiotic relationship so that they have mutual benefit to each other. It's like, right. first off, that's, I think that's just cool because, again, it's keeping with the ecological theme of these that, yes, they are monsters. They are you know, beyond the scope of what we can think of, but they still kind of have to follow a sort of, kind of, follow the rules of biology. So, which, but except for King Eater, of course. So yeah. the idea of them being a symbiotic relationship, these two extremely powerful monsters, I thought that was really cool. The idea of Mothra sacrificing her energy to revive Godzilla, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's Rodan in Godzilla vs. Mechgodzilla 93. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that, that is an idea that is, is a common idea. There is... If you go to imdb.com, I'm not going to read them off because it'll, it'll take me a while. There are so many Easter eggs and so many references and little things like that to the uh -huh. rest of the Godzilla films in this. And you can tell that Dougherty and, and his crew were, were tuned in to that frequency. I thought, like I said, I, I agree. Mothra being she's small but dangerous. And, yep. you know, it, isn't that kind of Mothra's thing? Not necessarily small, but she's beautiful, 
but she can still teach I me, mean, go watch again, watch Mothra 61 when it comes out on Blu-ray. She tears apart, I know, air quotes up to the mic, New York City. It's not really New York City, it's New yeah. Kirk City. But she destroys Manhattan looking New for Kirk the Twin Ferris, you know? But she's she's a big, you know, it, it's Rosilica, New Kirk City. But she's just, you know, the graceful, beautiful moth, right? That's always been kind of Mothra's thing. She's beautiful and dangerous. So I, yeah, I thought I thought she was great, and again, I like the idea again of the two, the two most well identified heroic monsters in the Toho pantheon. Again, whether you consider Godzilla an anti-hero or or what have you, having to work together, I thought that was great as right. well. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I just want to mention real quick is the score. The score in this movie is, I, it's really it's good. Great. The score is credited by to Bear McCreary, and I knew Bear McCreary because he did some of the score for Outlander. Which is the sh- um, uh, the show based on the books by Diana Gabadon that my wife and I watch uh, about time travel and ancients into uh, Highlander era Scotland. But he does he brings in a lot of the old Ifakube themes sometimes in very dramatic ways, like when Godzilla appears and it's the Godzilla theme by Ifakube, but it's uh. just pumped up a little bit. But sometimes in subtle ways, there's there all of the monsters have at least one of their cues, one of their classic musical cues worked into their theme. And it's, it's really, the music in this is really something. The music in 2014, I thought was one of the more disappointing aspects in that it, I didn't really remember it. Whereas the music in this, they, they have almost the entire soundtrack released on YouTube. Go listen to it, and I think you'll appreciate it. Yeah. It, the, the, the soundtrack reminded me um, a lot of like the way Skull Island's soundtrack was instrumental in the movie. If, for those of you who, who maybe didn't think about that, when you, if you go back and watch Skull Island again, listen to the music in Skull Island. The music in Skull Island is very, it sets up a lot of the stuff that's happening in there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and I thought this was even more so because, because again, unlike Skull Island where it's like, you know, just, there's just the music goes with the movie. Each one of the, each one, every time you hit one of those specific throwbacks to, an, to something in the, you know, in the, in the originals, you're like, oh man, like when Godzilla came out, Kelly literally turned to me and goes, Samoa Joe's coming. Because yeah. that's what that's what his music, Joe's music is pretty much Godzilla. Yeah. And why? Because that's what he is. He's the monster, right? And that's the whole point. All the different cues in there were just like, oh, man, like, it's great. And if you're a fan, again, my, 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 my daughter didn't get all those things. But if you're a fan of, of all the old Godzilla movies, you appreciate what they're doing. She's like, oh, that's great. That's an old thing. That's a throwback, you know? So, yeah. but, Yeah. Yeah, the, the music's available. I mean, on YouTube, just go check it out. Um, and I think I think it's done with like they have stills from the movie. Yes, or they have stills. Well, they yeah, they have stills and some like the character themes. I think have the character posters on them. I think. Yeah, and I tell you, you know, well worth the time. Go check it out, kind of thing. So, you think it would be worth their while to try and get the rights to Gamera? Well, uh, yeah, the, the, here's the odd thing about Gamera, and again, without getting too inside baseball. Toho kind of can use Gamera if they wanted to because they bought Dai. Oh, they did? I didn't know that. Yes. They, well, yeah. the, so the, the Heisei Gamera films were actually distributed by Toho. They were, they were yeah. produced by Dai, but Toho has enough of a relationship that they could do it. I don't think they ever will because, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of reference this sometimes in our Destruction Directive. Fanboys in the U.S. like things not changing. Otaku yeah. in Japan are a million times worth without hyper. <laughs> so, yes, well, it would be great to see Godzilla and Gamera finally throw down, especially if they used the Heisei-style Gamera, because they could tie that in. The Heisei Gamera was created by ancient Atlanteans 
as a weapon to fight the Gauss. So you could totally work that in with the the Hollow Earth and all that. You know, the, the idea of Gamera being an artificial creation by the ancient people. You could to do defend, that to defend them against the against the the, the cosmic creatures coming to Earth, yeah. King Ghidorah, and that's what you can then introduce Ga uh, Gigan or Gigan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying Gigan. Like, yeah, Gigan. Gigan yeah. Right? I think Gigan, is, Gigan, yeah, however you want to say it. Wait, they they, they can change it in their mind. Yeah, well, yeah, you could bring in. Yeah, there's all there's all sorts of space monsters that suddenly can come flying mm -hmm. in. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to think in my mind is Gamera well enough known to make it worth their while to try and get him to bring him in, or is that just something that the more, uh, you know, the, the the people who are more just invested in it who are going to go to see these movies anyway. Yeah, are gonna I think, think Gamera in in this country is best known, and Jay, I, I think you'd agree with me. He's best known for being on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yep. In this, country. yeah, at this point, I think you're yeah. right. Well, uh, I mean, and I'm and I'm not sure that he's as well known in this country as Rodan and Ghidra and Mothra right. anyway. And they already have those now. Yeah. The only yeah. the only thing I will say is that he does pop up a lot in The Simpsons. Anytime they do giant monsters, yes. Gamera shows up on The Simpsons. Well, the other thing too is with him is they that said Monster Island was just a name. What they meant was it's actually a peninsula. But I'm saying is the thing is with with, with, with Gamma, right? Exactly. The thing is because Gamma is not known like that way, but there's still what? How many movies? Like ten movies total, or whatever it is that yes, start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that are readily available within the U.S. for cheap, right? You can get them all really cheap, and if you had Gamma, and all of a sudden you could boost that interest, that might might the reason that we might do that is then they might say, huh, we could now re-release these on a much nicer yeah. set, like. <laughs> Like they just did, like like uh, like they're doing with the Mothra Blu-ray, yeah. which is yeah. coming in a, in a couple weeks, you know, kind of thing. Where it's mm -hmm. like, why is you know, like because again, why is Mothra's Blu-ray coming out? Because Mothra's in this movie, not because they had any desire to release Mothra again, but I, it yeah. might be but, their chance to kind of like put it out there. Because I, I mean, I know, I, I mean, it's, it's absolutely. I, I don't. I personally yeah. don't think it'll ever happen. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't think Toho is in a position that they want to promote a character like Gamera when they have their own that you know they they have their own characters that sell a lot more merchandise right you know, yeah. Gamera is popular in a, in a goofy way but it's like we'll we'll see we'll we'll see Mechagodzilla at Gigan before we oh, see yeah. anybody else just from yeah. oh we make a new Mechagodzilla and Gigan we can sell a lot of toys yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> yeah I mean uh, and that really can truly be where you want to tie that in if you wanted to come bring and again remember we they still have Another like eight or nine monsters that are quote unquote known that they yeah. haven't like put anything out there about, and that could be what happens is that you could have, uh, you know, again you don't need need uh, Mecha King Ghidorah as your villain, your big baddie in a movie, but if they if they come out with a Mecha Godzilla, that's the, yeah. you know that could be the technology that leads them to well, Mecha King Ghidorah, you know, kind it of thing. could have been Mecha King Ghidorah or who's I mean who's the best known cyborg monster. It's Gigan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gigan, you, isn't, isn't he a space monster though? He is, but he's a he's a space he is a space cyborg dinosaur. Do you want to? Because remember, he's got the hook hands and he's got the yeah. the laser built into his head and the buzzsaw in his stomach. Yeah. So he is, yeah. he is he is a he is a space monster, but he's also partly cybernetic. He he's basically a monster for hire. The Space Hunter M Nebula he's aliens. He's a monster will, for hire. He is. That's what they do yeah. in Megalon. The Space right, Hunter yeah. M, the Seatopians call him and they say, hey, can we have Megalon? He's like, well, how much are you going to pay us? It's like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll send him right down. 
We'll even let him fly this time, not like on Zone Fighter where he gets dropped in with a parachute. <laughs> That's a shoot, by the way. <laughs> oh, in the 70s, even the aliens had to cut their budgets. That's how bad it was. <laughs> so, so ultimately anyway. now, that brings us to our question. Is it yours? Where does this fall on the Jaws scale for each of you boys? Jay, you want to go? You want me to go? Yeah, I'll go. Um, So, uh, to me, this would probably fall... It's it's definitely a high... I mean, I've only seen it once. So, it's definitely um, on the upper end of Jaws 2, right to the bottom of Jaws 1. It's not... What do you call it? I mean, to me, it's not the greatest um, Daikaiju movie I've ever seen. Um, it's really enjoyable. I, I definitely think it's going to be better the second time you watch it, um, where you can kind of like, I mean, it kind of blows you, like, it kind of like blasts you to the seat with like saw the action and stuff like that. It definitely is worth a watch to me. I think Congress Island is a better movie overall. Um, but you know what I'm saying? So I, I rank Congress Island higher than this, but this is very enjoyable. It's a movie I think I'd watch, you know, and when it's on cable, I'll watch it. I'm definitely, I, I pre-ordered the Blu-ray. I actually pre-ordered the Blu-ray. Um, not even three or four hours after it was released, they put it up. I pre-ordered it already, so um, I think a high, high-end Jaws two, maybe a low-end Jaws one. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in a similar boat. I was thinking about this earlier today. I was I was doing some work around the house, and I I, I call this a, a Jaws two. Um, you know, and but I, and I don't damn that. That's not damning it with faint praise. First off, because it's number Jaws two is still, if you remember the Jaws scale, is still a really good movie worth multiple watches, right? Yep. I'm, I think I'm close on on the the, the wording mm-hmm. for the Jaws two on the Jaws scale. Yeah, and that's what this is. I consider most of the Godzilla films to be Jaws two. You know, mm-hmm. I, only a handful to me get it above that, and that's just because you know there there are different they, they are they have different films. Different films have different what different goals they're trying to achieve. This film, to me, just was, like I said, it, it was, I, I had an absolute grin on my face the entire time. I had an absolute blast. I was hyped up before I went in. I was hyped up after I went in. I am super eager to to, to, to get it on home media, on Blu-ray, so I can watch it again. It's it's just fantastic. It's, it's a lot of fun. I had so much fun watching this movie. And it's so great to be able to go to one of these, uh, these big summer tentpole movies and just have fun. And not worry about, oh, well, was when did he show up last? When was he here or was he there? And does he, and it's like, no, it's like, okay, like I said, they, they set you up from what you need from the first one. Here's the story. The story plays out. Here's what the next one is. And, 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 it's, and, and for that fr- running time, for that two hours or whatever minutes running time, I, I am in that moment. I am in Godzilla King of the Monsters and was having just a, an absolute great time. I really enjoyed this. I don't think, it, like Paul, like you said, I don't think it's trying to be self-important, and I think that's to its benefit. Uh, I think it it is it it doesn't take itself. It's not that it doesn't take itself seriously, but it doesn't. It, it recognizes, I think, what kind of movie it is, and and it's again to its benefit. So I, I this is a a definitely a Jaws two, high end Jaws two, absolutely. What about you, Paul? Okay, well, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I enjoy a good kaiju movie, but I'm not the uh, aficionado that you gentlemen are, so, uh, and I don't try to pretend to be. But I, uh, I genuinely enjoyed sitting through this movie, and I'll, you know, again, I am a fan. I'm just not the aficionado, so it's it's not that I'm a hard mark to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Uh, 
that this is pretty solid and it's worthy of review, you know, rewatches. Uh, I, I'm only going to differ with you guys to the extent that I'm not going to put it as a high Jaws 2. I'm going to put it like firmly, almost like the definition of Jaws 2 in my mind. Solid, <laughs> solid movie, worthy of, of rewatching. I look forward to rewatching it. Uh, it's not flawless and it's not, you know, an all time classic. I don't think it's ever going to be. Uh, but I suspect that this movie may find some more legs in the home video market than it did in the theaters or that it, than it's doing in the theaters. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that works out. I think people who have not been willing to give this movie a shot might be willing to do so at home. And I, know, I think all of a sudden the word of mouth on this one might improve dramatically. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of my yep. prediction as to where this you know this is going to be one of those ones that that it gets rediscovered once it comes uh, available at home, but I I think it's a solid movie and like I said I think it's a solid Jaws too and that's not as you said that's not damning it saying it's no. not the best movie ever and that it's not an all time classic is not necessarily right. you know damning the movie it's it's very solid it's very enjoyable yeah and so so Paul let me let me ask you a question then so are you on a positive upswing, a feeling-wise, for the MonsterVerse after you were kind of down on uh, Godzilla 2014 after Skull Island and King of the Monsters. Are you now on on the upswing that you're going to be hyped to see Kong vers- or Godzilla vs. Kong? Yes, and you know, and it, it, the simple answer is yes. Uh, yeah. But the 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 you know to give the more uh, descriptive version of it you know you were talking about trailers earlier i don't remember if we were talking about trailers on the show or if that was before we actually started recording uh but in any event my theory on trailers is other than teaser trailers which i you know i'll see a teaser trailer for anything cuz they usually don't show anything significant uh but other than that and I'm not a fanatic. I don't run out of the movie theater when there's a trailer showing. But I won't seek out a trailer for a movie that I know I plan to see already. Because I don't I don't like spoilers. So, you know, it, it's I'll 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 view trailers of movies that I'm not sure if I plan to see them in the theater. Mm-hmm. When the trailer yeah. comes out for King Kong, for I'm, I'm assuming this one will be Godzilla versus King Kong, just to make the title different from the previous I, movie. I think uh, it's actually Godzilla versus Kong. Okay. Well, yeah, when when the trailer comes Kong, out yeah. from that, I yeah. will. I'm sure I'll view the teaser trailer without any problem. But when the more substantial one comes out, if I'm not sitting in a seat in a movie theater, I will not seek it out on the internet because I do plan to see it in the movies. Yes, I'm in the same boat. I'm going to watch all the trailers, because... you, you have no aversion to trailers. I, yeah, I, I, but I also don't have a problem knowing how a movie's going to end. I'm okay with that. Like, yeah. I wish I was kidding, but, like, to be honest, we, we talk about this all the time on The Vault. It's so hard to shock me anymore. Like, well, you know, what, the, what, what I... Ending, you know, kind of thing, like... I'm okay, like, I mean, again, I, you had a figure that Godzilla's got to win at the end of this thing, right? But I'm saying is, like, so, but I mean, there's, but it wasn't like there wasn't anything, like, I mean, it was, there's still parts in here I didn't know was going to happen. I still could appreciate yeah. everything that was going to be there, like, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like I'm like, huh, I wonder if Godzilla's going to pull this one out. Like, it's like watching Perry Mason. I wonder if Perry's going to win. Yeah. I don't think, you know. Like, no, the question is, how's know? he going to win? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the the uh, the example I use more frequently now is how much more I would have enjoyed the moment when the Hulk appeared in Thor Ragnarok if I didn't already know that that was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but 
Okay, well, I, I agree. But isn't that kind of like based on a comic? Which no. Well, I mean, not not really, because Thor's... That, I mean, that, that the whole idea of him as a gladiator is Planet Hulk, and Thor's not involved yeah. in Planet Hulk. Yeah, know, it's, it's yes and no, and, and there's a good chance yeah. that as it went along, I would have started to suspect that's where we're going, yeah. but I wouldn't have known it for a fact. And when he yeah. burst okay. through the doors, it would have been a it would have been a more exciting moment for me if I didn't already know what was going to happen and hadn't already seen that particular shot. Yeah, even even one of the best punchlines about him being a friend from work they gave away yeah. in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand that, what you mean. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, and that movie is all punchline. That's pretty much all yeah. it is. But <laughs> well, I'll put it this way: I have not seen Endgame, and uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, when eventually it comes to, to Blu-ray, I'll watch it then. And I already know. A whole lot of stuff is going to happen there. But it's just like when everyone was losing their minds about Infinity War. I'm like, yeah, I read the book. Yeah. You know, I read the comics. Like, I know what's going to happen. How, <laughs> how can you know? I read it 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I, said, I said that to TJ. I said that to my wife. I'm like, is it, I said, is, I, was like, I don't, I won't want spoilers, but is it spoilers when I read the Infinity Gauntlet in the 90s? I kind of know some of the stuff that's got to happen, yeah. right? So, it's like watching, it's like when I watch Watchmen. The movie, I'm like, none of well, this is surprised because yeah. I read it. Right. You know, kind of well, it's like, uh, well, it, it's like you know, I've said to this day that if Marvel made a movie called Captain America: Civil War and then it involved the Avengers going back in time and fighting the Civil War, that would have been really cool, and nobody would have seen that coming. Yeah, no one seen that coming. So, anyway, so. anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming on. It's always well, an enjoyable talk, and uh, oh, yeah. you guys are just such a wealth of information every time uh, <laughs> I talk to you. It's it's great. Well, thank, thank you very much for having me. Like I said, you, you sent the message out. Uh, do I want to talk about King of the Monsters? And I'm thinking, well, I don't. It's like, well, Jay's got to watch it. But once we once we get over that hurdle, yes. Okay. So so literally, the the thing went out uh, like a week ago. I was like, okay, I'll go Tuesday. And yeah, no, no, I'm, no, it's just what I said. I'm on, we I'm went, on board with we it, went. man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, isn't that it? You, you want to go to the movies? You go to the movies. Have a good time. And that that would have yeah. about, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I look at it this way: is we saw. Uh, like the, you know, again, again, talking trailers. We saw the trailer for like the Men in Black, which is out, you know, at the same time that Godzilla is out here, and we saw the trailer for I forgot the I forgot the other one, but like they looked enjoyable, right? Like you know, kind of thing. Is like, is that going to change your life? No. Is it going to be the greatest movie of all time? No. But I bet my, my my daughter's like, can I go see the Men in Black when I like the other ones? Like she wants to go to movies and have a good time. King of the Monsters, like go have a good time, enjoy yourself, watch some giant monsters. Caused lots of property damage, lots of property damage, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And to be honest, I really did enjoy Fenway getting, you know, the yeah. crap. Yeah. And you don't have to be a Yankee fan for that. You can appreciate that too, as Mets fans, gentlemen. Absolutely. You can appreciate yeah. <laughs> so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just let the old that go. Because, <laughs> because I, I hate to constantly harp on my, uh, my. Uh, Schadenfreude for the Yankees. <laughs> but I'm saying, but you can appreciate Fenway getting destroyed, you know, kind of thing. So no, see, it, it, and and I don't because I know it would make Yankee fans happy. So I don't. Wow. Yeah. I'm, that's like I said, I'm very Schadenfreude on this. No, it would make Yankee fans happy. Okay. <laughs> it's not like this. It's all it's all these degrees of separation now. You know, <laughs> you got to be careful what you say all the time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, Thank you guys again for coming on, and thank you everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. So you'd want to make Godzilla our pet? No. We would be his.